morning crypto. The Federal Reserve is neither federal, right? It's not federal. It's not owned by the government. It's not a government agency. It has no full faith and credit. Why would a system where over a 30-year period, half of your purchasing power disappears? Why would that be good? Since 1913, the Fed was created to create inflation. CPI is kind of a silly number. It's massively lagging. It really doesn't have anything to do with reality. From 1776 to 1913, a dollar was worth a dollar, right? Why is it called a dollar? We stole it from the Rothschilds yeah. in Holland. Yeah. Housing prices over the last year went up 40%, four zero in one year. Did my house get bigger? Did it grow? Did it get more efficient? Did it somehow get better? No, so it actually- I paid $4.99 for a gallon the other day versus 33 when I got my license. It's the same gallon of gas. <laughs> well, it's not that the gas is better. It's that the dollar got worse. Here's the, the whole economies collapse if you try to take that funny money, because it really is funny money. I mean, it's money created out of thin air. This front, Three and a half trillion dollars with a T, trillion, three and a half trillion of wealth went from the average person to the elite class. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members by our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Mario, also known as the Node Defender, is joining us and somebody who needs no introduction on our channel, a renowned crypto investor known for his honesty and transparency with the entire crypto community, and now a longtime friend of the Good Morning Crypto Show, Mark Yusko is in the building, ladies and gentlemen, so I am very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how the mass adoption phase of Bitcoin could finally be underway. After BlackRock announced a Bitcoin ETF, Fidelity and Charles Schwab were quick to follow. The IMF released a new CBDC report highlighting the collaboration with Ripple and a use case for XRP. As JP Morgan has come out in support of Ethereum, stating to protect investors, it may need a new category. And with the banking system undergoing the digital transformation of a lifetime, we break down the details, asking our special guests if the mass adoption phase of crypto has finally been initiated. Our show was available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern, at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, coincidentally enough, that Bitcoin ETF storm has begun just as Mark back on the show. So I'm very excited for today's episode. How are you feeling this morning? And thanks for being here. Abs, I'm feeling great. It's always good to be six feet above ground, but I'm super excited today because we got the great one in the house. Mark Yusko, I love him. It's been too long since we had him on, but just want to say like I always do, good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. We love you and appreciate you guys. For showing up every single day. Mario, I love you too. And boy, that's a great shirt you're wearing today, buddy. Mario, this episode is sponsored by Merlin, as always, guys. And that's a joke, of course. But thank you for being here this morning. How are you feeling, Mario? I'm feeling awesome. Good morning, everyone. Good morning in the chat. Good morning to Mark. Good morning, Avs and Johnny. Super excited to be here. Uh, it's another beautiful day, like Johnny said, above ground. So super blessed about that. Super blessed about uh, everything that we got coming. Absolutely, guys. And they're giving me a hard time in the live chat right now. I am working on the mic situation, but let's get to something much more important. We got Mark Yusko in the building. And Mark, I'd love to know what's on your mind this morning and how you feeling. We're going to go through a plethora of topics today. So really quick, what's on your mind? 
um, you know, people were probably saying, does this guy own any other shirt except the pink shirt? <laughs> it, it is funny. Y'all always have me on Wednesdays and, and I always wear pink on Wednesdays. It's wear pink Wednesdays in honor of people fighting brain tumors. And I lost my best friend to a tumor eight years ago, but it's, you asked me how I'm feeling. I'm feeling grateful. You know, both, both the guys talked about, you know, it's a good day to be six feet above ground. Um, it's important to be grateful every day because everyone is a gift and you don't know, you know, how long your, your time is, but I'm super excited because we're, we're ramping up the, then they fight you phase, right? Last Wednesday, now, look, I, I declared a week ago Wednesday was the official beginning of crypto summer, right? June 15th. Now, I had no idea, actually, that that would be the day that BlackRock announced their coronation as, as Bitcoin kings with, with their ETF application, which will be approved, by the way. And I've been saying that for a long time. Everyone was applying to get the ETF. And I'm like, nope. Not the Winklevoss twins, not Van Eck, not no one that applied was going to get approved. BlackRock was going to get approved. Everybody said, well, why do you say that? Like, because they're under the tent. And it's all about inside and outside. And, you know, there is a club and, you know, as, as Johnny quotes George Carlin, and you ain't in it. And all of us on the show and listening, we ain't in it. And that club, that super club, um, run out of DC, actually run out of someplace in Europe by the Rothschilds, but whatever, um, they make the decisions. And the decision is that the big boys um, are ready and they're coming. And, and that is a really good thing long-term, not, not great short-term in, in a lot of different ways, but but it is good long-term, so I'm excited. Thank you, Mark. And with that being said, guys, we're going to start this show off the same way we always do by showing you my Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button. I love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in greed this morning, Johnny Crypto, and it's up significantly based off the Bitcoin ETF news. We're sitting at a 59, and at the Daily Movers, it is green across the board. We got Render up nearly 20%. Flow up 20% and Pepe coin, unfortunately, up 26%. And that's only a joke, guys. When we check out the total coin market cap, we are sitting at 1.14 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 49% dominance. And Mark, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. For the first time in, I believe, two years, Bitcoin passed 50% dominance in the market. We can talk about that today as well. Ethereum is at 19%. Bitcoin's up uh, pretty significantly this morning, up about 11%, sitting at 29,600. Ethereum is 1,800, XRP is 49 cents, Cardano is 28, and let's scroll down to Quant Network, sitting at 102. And Johnny, with all the news, I think the best place that we could start this episode is with a tweet from one of our friends, Tony Edward. When the crackdown on crypto began just a couple of weeks ago, we discussed how they're pushing us off of exchanges and inst institutions that are insured. What do we have this summer? NASDAQ, Klaus Schwab, Fidelity, and BlackRock applying for Bitcoin ETFs. Black files for a Bitcoin spot ETF. Just days later, Fidelity, Charles Schwab, and Citadel launched their own crypto exchange. Doja Bank is also applying for a crypto custody license. And the rumor is Fidelity will file for a Bitcoin spot ETF soon. Mark, there's one more update I'd love to throw in here. 
MasterCard is also working on some cryptocurrency patents right now. So whether it's credit or banking, the shift is taking place. Johnny, I'd love to start with you and then we'll go to Mark. Abs, you know, as I said in the beginning, to me, this is all very bullish news because there's two outcomes of this technology. Either the big boys want to squash it and kill it completely and it's gone and we're all screwed. Or at the end of the day, they're going to take it. They're going to wrap their hands around it. They're going to own a good chunk of it. They own all the sand in the sandbox, but they're going to let us play in it, right? And for those of us who are here early that got to invest in early, I kind of see it as, and Mark, I'm curious to your thoughts. I kind of see it as, you know, a high tide is going right, right, to raise all boats that are in the water. And right now, we got our boats in the water. And the reality is, we know how the world works. And this industry isn't going to go anywhere until the big boys get in it. They own it, and then they're prepared to benefit off of it. And then I think they're gonna sky. They're gonna let this thing skyrocket. This whole bitch is gonna go to the moon. And and so to me, those are the two outcomes. Now, which one do I want to see happen? Well, as much as I don't want to see the moon, I mean, the reality is that's how it's gonna work. So I'm gonna go with it. Let them get all their things in position. Let them put all the things they need to do in order, and then we all stand a good chance. I don't know if we got a chance to get into the club. Well, we may be, you know, wealthy enough to make our own new club. You know, maybe we're below a little level, but that's all right, Mark. Right? We we can have our own little club if we need to, a little lower, a little lower level. And Mark, there's another detail that I found very interesting about them. Oh, trying he's on to... mute. Mark's on oh, mute. Sorry. Hey, there you I'm... go, Mark. Sorry, I unmuted you. No, 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 that's all right. I, I'm I'm kind of like Groucho Marx. I'd never join a club that would take me. Right. So um, <laughs> that's why we. I, I really don't want to be in that club. No. You know, you saw the picture of, of Larry sitting in front of the WEF sign. I have no interest in being part of WEF. I have no interest in being part of the Malthusian society that wants to depopulate and concentrate the wealth in the hands of, of the rich. I got, I got no time for that. Um, I mean, it, it, it's appalling that the wealth of the Rothschild family, single family, that's a big, big ass family. But that single family's wealth is equivalent to the bottom six billion people on the planet. Jesus. One family, bottom six billion, same wealth. Unbelievable. That's fucked up. I mean, yeah. sorry, pardon my French. But in fact, I said that in front of a French person once and they said, why do you say that? We're not vulgar. Actually, I've never looked up why you say pardon my French. So somebody has to tell me what that is. Um, so here's the thing. Um, I don't want to be part of the club. And but I also don't want to fight with them. So I'm actually kind of glad that we're we're past the illusion that you can fight against the tech. Right. This idea that somehow the big boys were going to put the genie back in the bottle and, and it was going to disappear was just stupid. Right. Name a technology ever that once it got some critical mass and, and got proven, you could stuff back in the bottle, right? Whether it was the car, the automobile, the train, you know, broadband, the internet, you know, it doesn't matter. Once a technology catches on, you're not, you're not going away. And look, do mom and pop stores all over America wish Amazon never got invented? Yeah. Oh yeah. Do a whole bunch of people in the media industry wish Netflix never got invented. Hell yeah. But that's okay. And jobs will get displaced and people get displaced, but then they reinvent. And, you know, the funny thing that's 
you got this whole AI craze. Everybody's afraid. No, we're going to be all, we're all going to be replaced. We're all going to lose our jobs. Well, yeah, some people will lose their jobs. Just like the textile worker here in North Carolina, her job went to China, is never coming back. I remember the Donald came down here and he's like, I'm going to get your job back. No, you're not. Her job's never coming back. Now you can retrain her and get her a different job. Maybe she can trade crypto, whatever. But that job as a textile worker is never coming back. And yeah, if you make your life as a, a blogger, ChatGPT might change the nature of blogging. It, 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 it you know, could, could get rid of some jobs, but it will create new industries and new jobs that will, you know, we have more jobs today. After all the disruption, after all the job loss, we have more jobs today than any time in human history. That's just a fact. And that will be true tomorrow and the next day and the next day. But the cool thing is the internet wiped out, wiped out whole swaths of media and commerce, right? Old business models. Crypto, blockchain, and actually it's the ABCD of the digital age. AI, blockchain, chips, and data. Those four things, those four things that coalesce together, that's what will drive the digital age. And the digital age will do a couple things. It will wipe out a whole swath of the trust industry. Right? The trust industry. What is the trust industry? Well, it's what the Rothschilds created 800 years ago with the creation of the first central bank. And they, they created a business that skims $7 trillion. That's a T. $7 trillion, that's 6 to 8% of global GDP every year gets taken by the elites, the banks, the insurance companies, the accountants, the auditors. All of that will get disrupted by the truth industry. We're replacing trust with truth. And I love this, how you have Bank of America up here. You realize that Bank of America has the most patents in blockchain technology of anybody in the world. Why would they have that? Because they're not freaking stupid, right? They're actually really smart because the technology is coming and they can either be completely displaced, right? The last uh, Blockbuster store finally closed, right? I guess it was a museum and now it's finally closed. That went away when streaming came and we don't need to go get a little video disc to plug in our you know, VCR. The same things, look, I, I have a, a, a six-month-old granddaughter. She will never have one of these, ever. She will never have a leather wallet, ever. She will never use paper money. She won't even know what paper money is. Nope. And so banking as we know it and accounting as we know it and auditing as we know it will go away. And I love this, Chairman. We don't need cryptocurrency. I thought that was perfect because of your daughter's statement. She's like, she's never going to use this stuff. And then you got Gary Gensler saying, you're going to swipe a credit card forever with a statement like that. I mean, look, here's the thing. MasterCard, Visa, they run on a mainframe computer written in COBOL. Really? 
Nobody even knows what COBOL is no, anymore. I mean, look, my 80, my 85 year old dad can code COBOL. No one else can. And that is not durable. That is not a durable franchise. And so if you think about technology, it evolves and there's a lag and, and you know, the early adopters, the pioneers, um, you take some arrows, right? I mean, I, I, my wife and I've been watching 1883, you know, the prequel to, to Yellowstone. Frontier is dangerous. And early, 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 early adopters, right? You can, you can end up on the ground taking arrows if you go too far out early without protection and without, you know, good guides and, and good weaponry. Um, and I think that's been happening a little bit with some of the earliest adoptions in, in the crypto ecosystem. Now, look, the scammers, the crap coins, the doggy coins and the frog coins, whatever. I have no time for that. I have a lot of time for innovation, technology and the displacement and the disruption of trust with truth. I like truth. I don't like the fact that there's a whole system run by WEF at all that can abuse my trust, right? They can seize my assets because I already forfeited them. I put my assets in the bank. They're no longer mine. They're the banks. Now I can get to them most of the time, but if they wanted to, they could stop me from getting them. And I don't want that. I want a, at least a portion for now and eventually all, but a, for now, a portion of my wealth, I want outside that system. And, you know, to me, you start with Bitcoin and you can drop to Ethereum and then you can go down, you know, and, you know, the army, XRP and Ripple, there's, there's a role. Um, and the oh. tech itself. Oh. Is Mark coming around? Come on, Sorry. Come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying there's a role. Tech is an interesting thing. You need adoption and you need you need the right infrastructure to adopt at the right time. There's a difference between being early and being wrong. I mean, there's no difference between being early and being wrong. And I think so far it's been a little early. And look, I don't agree with the way the foundation was set up originally. It was too concentrated and all that. It's being fixed. It's being addressed. It's making progress. Um, but I, I do think that there's some, some good, solid tech. I think there's some good, solid leadership you know can leadership be better always but um anyway so that's that's a lot of rambling that you didn't ask any well mark you dropped a gem in there which is xrp because i know our whole community is excited right now but we got 390 live listeners joining us show us some love smash that like button and we're going to continue to talk about bitcoin and etf adoption in america but i do want to pause to talk about cbdc's for just a moment here mark and this was a new article released yesterday where the xrp army finds a link between the IMF, CBDC, and Ripple's platform. Let's start off with this document here. The Federal Reserve is already set to launch their own platform where it's called FedNow for interbank transferring. That means transfers within our country between banks eventually will go cross-border. But here's what's worth noting. The U.S. Federal Reserve's Plan Now launch service is set to go live on July 1st. This is involving three Ripple-partnered banks and raises speculation about whether the Ripple lawsuit judgment would need to be delivered to ensure legal compliance. Now, this really ties into the article about the adoption that we were talking about earlier with Fidelity and um, what was the other one? Klaus Schwab and Citibank. 
look at this right here. They are only listing Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash because of the state of regulation today. So I think it ties into the entire narrative. Let's start off with FedNow. What are you anticipating from the FedNow launch? Because that's coming next week. Yeah, look, FedNow is misunderstood. You know, it's not a CBDC. It's not the pure evil that that is coming, right? Don't get me wrong. CBDCs are coming and they're, and they're bad. FedNow is simply going from, you know, T plus two to T plus one. Now, how it's not T zero or T instant, beyond me. I mean, absolutely crazy. But but it, it it's allowing more instantaneous settlement for, as I said, interbank transfers. And it's good and it's it's important. And it, it does set the stage for ultimately, you know, a Fed coin or, or a CBDC. You know, the problem is, in my mind, programmability, right? The execution of rails, I mean, the updating of rails, it's critical. I mean, the SWIFT system, the uh, uh, Fedwire system, they're antiquated. They're 75, 80-year-old technology. I'll tell you a true story. So we had a, a situation where one of our clients got hacked and the hacker stole his email address and sent uh, fake wire instructions and all this stuff. And we tried to track down the, the errant wire. And, the, and it's a bank in Australia. And they're like, we lost the SWIFT message. Like, well, what do you mean? Like, well, we got a fax and we misplaced the fax. This is 2023. What are you talking about faxes and paper documents? How can there not be an instantaneous, permanent, immutable ledger of that transaction so you could tell me where you sent that money, you know, to what crazy hacker nation did you send it to? They couldn't do it. It was appalling. And so, yes, we need to upgrade the rails. It's like Visa and MasterCard. You can't have money, right? Most of us think of Visa and MasterCard as money. I don't carry money. I have no paper currency. I have a little black card that I give to people and it batches my transactions for a month. And then I settle up once a month to the base layer, to Fedwire through the bank. And all Fed now does is make that T1 instead of T2. Um, Eventually, it'd be T zero or T instant, and you know whether that's on something like Overstock or whether it's using a Ripple system, uh, a Ripple based system. I, I don't know, and I, I don't actually care, right? Because I I want the end result and which technology gets adopted. I, I probably don't cheer loudly for anybody, um, but anyway. I do want to get your thoughts on the JP Morgan article. I don't have it pulled up right this second, but what they mentioned earlier this week was based on the Hinman emails. I mean, the, let's let's actually start there because the community reacted massively to these emails. There was even a price pump with XRP. The big guys were using it as a liquidity moment, of course. We got 404 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And what's important about these JP Morgan statements, Mark, is that they are agreeing with William Hinman. They are saying that the corruption we saw in 2018 should actually be used to create laws for the crypto space. Now, the problem I have with this is that Vitalik Buterin, the founder of Ethereum, was the one helping William Hinman create these rules. And they give Ethereum a free pass with the ICO process. So as somebody, we both hold Ethereum. I hold Ethereum. I'm sure you do. I want what? Ethereum to be successful. But when Why? I see things like this, it makes me turn 
you know, I get a weird feeling. Let's say that. No, look, I, I get a super weird feeling. And I, people know I am prone to um, conjecture, let's say. Um, you know, some call me a conspiracy theorist. I'm like, guys, it's only a conspiracy if Until it isn't true. That's right. Right. Truth is an absolute defense. So any conspiracy, if it's true. And here's here's the weird thing. There are some very strange linkages between Ethereum, government, and three-letter agencies. Right? And there just are, right? There are there have been rumors for a long time about certain people at PayPal being associated with three-letter agencies. Yeah, I'm not going to name names, but people know who I'm talking about. And Vitalik was a fellow of a certain person. Um, he was paid not to go to college to work on this project. And I don't know, if you look at, at the pattern of behaviors uh, in terms of enforcement against certain assets, and then you check the boxes on Ethereum, you'd say, huh, kind of looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, but you're telling me it's not a duck. So why would that be? Well, I don't know. Look at who went to school at Princeton with whom. Okay, there's some interesting linkages there. Um, let's look at, at who funds what party. Okay, interesting linkages there. So again, I'm not, everybody says, yeah, you shouldn't make accusations. I'm like, these aren't accusations. They're just observations of fact. Mark, there is one quick point. I just want to add to your argument here. We talked about who the SEC was communicating with when creating these rules for William Hinman. There were two people, Vitalik Buterin and Joseph Lubin. Both of them are part of the Ethereum Foundation. So we did a little research and we found out that back in 2014, Joseph Lubin purchased 95% of the original Ethereum ICO, paying a total of $18 million for 31 cents per Ethereum. Now, this is really interesting because, of course, he went on to create consensus and they had a series of token launches. So he doesn't own all this Ethereum today. But yeah. with, with knowing that fact, does that change your, your image on how decentralized Ethereum is? It changes my image on, on how decentralized or not it was, past tense, they changed faster, right? And so, but but look, the origin of anything is obviously very different than its than its end form. And look, are there are there um, I don't know oddities in in the story and linkages in the story? I mean, Joe and and Novo were buddies, and you know, Novo got introduced early on, and you know, I, I just have the wrong friends, right? I need to have friends in, in, in the right places. So um, I'm just jealous, right? But part of it is, do you trust that person telling you about something new enough to act on it? I mean, I had Bitcoin handed to me in 2013, actually same month as the Winklevoss twins. They're multi-billionaires and I'm not because they were smarter than I was. Now, I would say it's because they were in Ibiza with the guys and I wasn't. So I, you know, I was, you know, still doing my day job and I was just skeptical. But had I gone to college with one of the guys that, you know, founded it, I'd probably trust them a little more. So I, that's a long winding answer to say there are a lot of weird dynamics 
I mean, why is it, you know, to switch it all up back to, you showed Gary, how did Gary go from teaching a blockchain, blockchain class at, at MIT to the head of the SEC? Is it, is it just a coincidence that his boss at MIT's daughter was one of the people involved in FTX? I don't think that's a coincidence. You know, is her partner at FTX? Well, I mean, she was Alameda, he was FTX. You know, the fact that he was the largest donor to Biden who, who appointed Gensler, is that, is that a coincidence? I don't, I don't think so. Um, anyway, so. Spot Mark, on. Go Mark ahead, John. Saying my dad says, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And the <laughs> There's a lot of connections there happening. And so no surprise there when you start tying all the dots. As we said earlier in the show, it's one big club and we can kind of see who's in it and who's not. But nonetheless, I think, you know, we try to look at where is this club moving things in the reality. Yeah. yeah. We don't want to be in the club, right? Because they're in the fair. But but you want to be riding the coattails of the things they're doing, because at the end of the day, if we could position ourselves to put our families in generational wealth, well, yeah. then that's fair game for everybody, right? And if you were smart enough back in the early 90s when Abs was in diapers to invest in Amazon and Microsoft and, and uh, you know, in, in Red Hat and all these other technologies as the internet was developing, you could have really, really, really made a boatload of, of money. And I think what's exciting about this time, and correct me if I'm wrong, is we kind of have another transformational shift or paradigm shift that's happening as we move from Web 2.0 to 3.0. And blockchain technology. Uh, Johnny, look, I mean, that that's it, right? And look, I've, I've been very, very lucky in my career um, to be in some of the right places, you know, in, in the rooms where it happened. And now the problem is I always made the investments on behalf of the people I was working for. And I, I never did any for me. It's like the cobbler's kids who have no shoes. I mean, we put half a million dollars into Google that turned into 200 million in 1995. But Notre Dame got that money. I didn't get it. Um, we invested, you know, a couple hundred grand in in Red Hat at, you know, zero, like literally on day one with Benchmark Capital. Did I think to buy any for my kids? No. But but that's not the point. The point is, if you surround yourself with visionary innovators, and that's that's why my pinned tweet is, you know, the greatest wealth is created by investing in innovation. To do that, you have to invest in something you believe in before others even understand. You'll be mocked, ridiculed, and criticized for your non-consensus action. It's totally worth it. We are on the cusp of this next generational shift. And, and, it, and it's been a 14-year cycle since 1954. 1954, the mainframe computer was invented. We've been going on for a couple of years before that in, in big government. But, you know, the first companies were formed in 1954, Deck and Wang and, and uh, Unisys, et cetera. And we had a 14-year period where that's where you made your money, investing in big iron, big, big computing. And in 1968, there was an innovation around the microchip. And the center of the universe moved to Palo Alto and companies like Fairchild and AMD and Intel were founded. And Don Valentine invested in Intel and, you know, made like, I don't know, 400 times, 500 times his money. And it's a pretty big company, pretty big deal. And everybody's using Intel today. So 14 years later, there's innovation up in, in Seattle around personal computing. And now everybody's got a personal computer in their house. 
14 years later, there's an innovation around this thing called the internet and companies like eBay and, and Google and Yahoo, all stupid names, right? Dumb names, but now they're verbs and, and com, you know, household names and created, look, Web1, Web1 from 19, uh, I'm sorry, from 1982 to 1996, Web1, no, no, I'm sorry, 1996 to 2010, Web1 created $2 trillion of wealth. Microsoft, Intel, Cisco, unbelievable. Two trillion with a T, okay? Web two, which started in 2010, well, what's web two? Well, web one was read, right? You could read things. Inter the, you know, the internet made information bi-directional and ubiquitous. But this thing came along, the iPhone made information now bi-directional, read, write. Because now you could build companies, centralized companies, around this idea of managing data and became a big business. Five trillion with a T. And to your point, you could create generational wealth by investing in any of those businesses. And Red Hat changed the world by creating open source, which is now Web3 2024. Wait, that's like next year. Well, that's the next iteration, right? 82 96, 2010, 2024. 2024 is the age of Web3, read, write, own. That's the key. Now we get to own our things, our data, our identity. And I think it's 10 to 15 trillion of wealth is going to be created. This is the greatest wealth creation opportunity I will see in my lifetime. And I look, I got to be here a long time. Um, it was so funny. I was in Stand on Corner in New York the other day. I probably shouldn't even say this out loud because it's so funny. And this guy stops and says, you have a very lucky face. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And he starts telling me all this stuff. And, and it was just a scam to get him to give me money, right? But he's like, you are live a very long life. You will live to 91. I'm like, what the? So anyway, but uh, so anyway, that's like, you know, so I, I got a while to go, but having just turned 60, but this is the biggest wealth creation opportunity I'm going to see in my lifetime. And there will be another one, you know, 14 years out and, and another one after that. But this one's big. And to, to have the courage to take a portion of your hard-earned wealth and invest in these innovations that you believe in before most people even understand. I mean, the average person could not explain why Ripple's important, right? What, what XRP actually is. The average person couldn't explain what a blockchain ledger actually does. The average person couldn't explain. Like right now, I cannot explain. Mark, I actually have a quick question since you brought it up. In your, from your perspective, do you think XRP is a security? What's your opinion on that? My opinion, it's, it's, it's nuanced. I don't believe, I don't agree with, with the SEC that uh, these assets are securities because a security to me is an evidence of ownership in the equity of a business. And a utility token is not that, right? It doesn't give you equity. It doesn't give you debt. It doesn't give you a claim on cash flow. So I find it hard to say that's a security. Now, 
if owning XRP gave me a share of transaction fees, then it'd be a little bit different. Um, but this idea that anything that you buy with an expectation of appreciation is a security is utter and complete nonsense. I play a lot of Pokemon Go. My son got me engaged in it. I play a lot, like more than I should. Are my Pokemon Go monsters securities? Because I expect them to increase in value if I could actually sell them, which I can't. I'll speak or, for Gensler here and, and say yes. Yeah, or, or my Magic the Gathering cards. I play a lot of Magic the Gathering and I don't have a Black Lotus, but does the guy who bought the Black Lotus and it went up a lot, is that a security? Are you kidding me? And someone said the other day, said, no, if Beanie Babies came along now, they would be deemed a security based on the Howie test. I'm like, no, they wouldn't. That's just stupid. So no, I, it's a long-winded way of abs of saying, I don't believe it's a security. I do believe that the SEC is using this enforcement action form of regulation as a way of slowing down the progress, right? And and I think you had the the, the John Deaton thing up, and John and I have done some stuff together. And I mean, play that clip because I'll 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 talk to that. Amazing guys, we're gonna play this short clip. Here we go. And what I think was happening is that cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin, it's one of the few times in history where the individual kind of front run the, the industry, if you right. will, in the hedge funds. And personally, I think that Gensler's attack on crypto is to allow the hedge funds and the Wall Streeters to come in, crash the market. They come in and then By the way, they, they do that with the stock market. And what I so, Mark, I'm going to give you the open floor. No, look, this is the, this is the oldest trick in the book in investing. Right. If you want to buy something in size, like if you are Julian Robertson wanting to buy a lot of copper or George Soros wanting to buy a lot of the pound, you don't go buy it and then tell everybody, I just bought some. Don't you want to be like me? No, 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 no. You short it and you spread rumors that it's the worst thing you've ever seen and that no one would ever want to buy it. And you crash the price so you can buy more. That is, I mean, Elon did that with other things that he, I mean, everyone who is a big investor has been using this trick forever. And uh, look, I'm unabashed about this. I, I guarantee you that Operation Choke Point 2.0 is real. Yep. I guarantee you that this is a very large, very well-planned, very well-executed and orchestrated decision by the club to crash the price and allow them to delay the inevitable replacement of the trust industry with truth. Full stop. It's all a big plan. And and I, my belief, right, is that Sam and Caroline were part, they were pawns. They were the useful idiots. They were not the masterminds. They were not the execute. They were pawns, like the Manchurian candidate, minus the chip, of a very large game by the very, very largest organizations in the world to 
take control. But here's the thing. You've heard me say, you know, 2009 to 15 was the first they ignore you phase. Eh, bunch of nerds and geeks playing with your magic internet money. 16 to 21, then they laugh at you. Ah, God, look at you idiots playing with this stupid stuff, magic internet money, whatever. 2022 to 2027, then they fight you. Y'all took $100 billion out of my bank. That pisses me off and you're going to pay. And so a billion dollars went into Celsius and Voyager and BlockFi. Who gives a shit? A hundred billion? Now we got a fucking problem. You need to be shut down and you need to be shut down and you need to be shut down. And so, but here's the thing. If you're here, we've already won. We've already won. That's the cool part. The inevitability of decentralization, the inevitability of crypto, the inevitability of Bitcoin, the inevitability of a decentralized world, it's happening. And they can fight it all they want, but they're going to lose. Now, can they make our life miserable in the short run? Sure. Imagine being a wealthy person on April 5th, 1933. You had a bunch of gold bars in your vault and you were deemed a criminal. Executive Order 6102, you're a criminal. Johnny, you, that gold, you have, you're a criminal. You got to give it, you got you to gotta forfeit your gold to us or we're going to arrest you. Did Johnny give him all his gold? Hell no. <laughs> but he did live in fear that someone was going to show up at his door, you know, with a gun even and, and take the gold. So that's probably going to happen again. It's kind of happening now, but... I think, I think we're in a better place because collectively the communities that we're all part of are more powerful, they're more well distributed, and they're global. The thing about decentralization is it eradicates the, the notion of nation states and borders. And that's a hard thing to think about. I don't want to move. I, I like Chapel Hill. But I think as I told you last time I was on the show, I want on spring break to Costa Rica, not just to go to the rainforest. I wanted to see what it was like. Is it crypto friendly? Is it the rule of law kind of place? And there was a little too much barbed wire for my taste. That made me a little nervous, kind of like being in Joburg. But there were parts of, of San Jose that were pretty nice. And I have friends down there that, that say it's pretty nice. So anyway, that's a long ramble. Johnny, I'm going to give you a chance to ask a question. I just want to show our listeners this really quick. Check out this this coin, uh, sorry, this graph from Altcoin Daily talking about what happened to gold after the first ETF was released. Are you anticipating something similar, Mark? And then I'd love to play this video of Larry Fink from 2018 where he says, you know, Bitcoin's for money laundering, it's for criminals. And then here we are today. So first we'll start there. Well, no, no, no. The, the gold thing is so awesome, right? The gold ETF, the gold ETF, took three and a half years to get approved. Wow. Three and a half years. Why? Because Jamie Dimon said no. You're right. Jamie's like, no freaking way are you having a gold ETF until I am fully short. Exactly. <laughs> so I will get fully short. In fact, they were, if you go through the JP Morgan documents, uh, from the global financial crisis, they were short two times the world's 
supply of gold. Because the futures market allows you to short paper commodities. That's why when you want to manipulate something, you create a futures market. That's why oil prices are manipulated. That's why gold prices are manipulated. JP Morgan pays $1 billion just about every year for spoofing the gold market. Fines. Well, wait, wait a minute. How, how do they do And they don't have to admit they're, they're guilty? They don't have to admit guilt? Nope. And they always say, but we made $20 billion, so it's just a cost of doing business, 5%. So what happened was JP Morgan got short. Like, okay, now you can open up the ETF to take the long side of our shorts. And boom, gold goes up. And then everybody jumped in, John Paulson and all these others denominate all their stuff in gold. And then what's happened since? JP Morgan went back to spoofing it. So look, it's not a coincidence that the bear market in 2017 started the day of the creation of the Bitcoin futures ETF. It is not a coincidence that the day of the bear market in 2021 started with the approval of the Bitcoin futures ETF. Those are not coincidences. What those two events allowed was JP Morgan and BlackRock and et cetera to go short the shit out of those markets to depress the prices so they could buy. And yes, Larry Fink et al said that crypto is used by money launderers and terrorists. Why did they say that? I used to laugh at them. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't realize they had inside information because they are the ones doing the money laundering, right? The government sends the money to Ukraine. Ukraine sends it to FTX. And here's the crazy thing. It's on chain. Like in the old days, I want to buy off Johnny. I meet him in the park. I bring my backpack. I set it down next to him. I walk away. He's like, Mark, your backpack. And I just keep walking. He looks inside. It's full of money. And Johnny's now my friend. That's how me and Johnny met, actually. I mean, that's exactly right. And and it's not traceable. If nope. you're going to do money laundering, why would you do it on chain? So Ukraine sends the money to FTX. FTX sends it to Alameda. Alameda sends it to a, a shell company owned by SBF. And then he sends it to the Democratic Party. Are you <laughs> freaking kidding me? On chain? Can't make this stuff up. You can't make that stuff up? That is money laundering. If you go to the picture of money laundering, that is it. So when Elizabeth Warren talks about it's used by money launderers, I'm like, yeah, by you. And I'm not saying Larry Fink is a money launderer. Well, I might be saying that. But look, he's way more powerful. And I probably shouldn't say that because, see, one, I think one other time we were doing this, like the black hats did come and turn off my power. But um, I, I have nothing against these guys. I really don't. And I don't really want to pick a fight with them. No. It does bother me, though, that they keep consolidating the wealth at the top, right? We have the highest wealth and income inequality in the history of mankind. And they appease the masses by saying, oh, we're going to give you UBI or we're going to give you, you know, free handouts. And like, but, but this is wrong. I mean, it's wrong that a regulatory body waits for a member of the club to want to get in the game and then grants them approval. Now they haven't been approved yet, but mark my words, they will get approved. And everyone said, well, why is that bad? I'm like, well, technically it's not because it opens the floodgates for greater adoption, right? The, the, the top of the show. 
or the, the, the top line at the top of that page here. And that's good. That is, that is good. The fact is it won't be evenly distributed. The thing that bothers me most is we don't need more tools for the rich to get richer. We just don't. They're, 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 they're good. What we need is more tools to empower the masses around the world. You know, the one thing is that gets me up every day, right? People say, well, you know, why do you, why do you do this, right? Just turned 60, you know, and it's not like I, I mean, I, I love to work and I don't, I don't really have to work. Um, a lot of my friends are retiring. I can retire. I don't want to retire. Retired means tired yesterday, tired again today. No interest in that. But what really gets me out of bed in the morning is, look, 40% of the people in this world don't have a bank account. 40% of the adults on this planet do not have a bank account. We can help them. We can give them financial services through digital assets. And I want to be involved in, as I said, the ABCDs of the digital age, AI, blockchain, chips, and data. And investing in those things is amazing. And it, and it literally is changing the world and it's changing things for the better. And, and that's cool and that's good. And that's why technology and innovation are my lifeblood, right? Innovation is an asset class. It creates all the other things that we all think of as assets, stocks, bonds, currencies, and commodities. Um, so anyway. Hey, Mark, before I get to my question, I want, I want to, uh, we want to educate here too. So the reason why people say pardon my French is somebody once in England said a French word in front of a bunch of English people. And obviously because the English hated the French so much, any kind of French word was a swear word. Was a swear word. There we go. Okay. All right. That makes sense. But but getting to, so I get asked, so we always talk about in the show, the four stages and we we reference you a lot about it. And, and, And so one of the questions I keep getting asked all the time in the chat is Johnny, where are we? in the then they fight you stage or now with the BlackRock news, are we in the, then they've joined you stage. So Mm -hmm. I kind of tried to give it an analogy of a baseball game. And so, so let's play, let's stay in the state. I still think we're in the, then they fight you stage. So can you tell us one, what stage do you think we're in? And then what inning in the ball game are we in? Are we in the first inning? Are we in the fifth inning? Are we in the ninth inning? Yeah. I think we're definitely in the, then they fight you phase. Okay. You know, probably the third inning. Oh my um, God, that's what I said. <laughs> and, and the way the way to think about it is what Churchill said. This is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end. It is perhaps the end of the beginning. So if you think about the beginning, the middle, and the end, kind of like a chess game. You, know, you got the opening, then you got the middle game, and then you got the end game. And fighting in the opening is just a waste of time, right? You have no idea when you're playing a chess game who the better player is in the opening. Right. There's no information content. The board's not set up. And so it's like short selling. Right. People try to short sell based on nothing. Right. That the opening is just it. Now, the middle game. That's where the shit goes down. That's when you find out who the better player is. And if you try to short into that, you'll lose your ass. Right. That, and that's lots of people short on valuation. People try to short NVIDIA. Bad plan. The end game. Right. You know who's going to you, you already know who's won. And so we're not at the end game yet. We're not at the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. We're just entering the middle game. And the middle game is where we're going to find out who the better players are. Mm. And here's the thing. As much as the armies and, and the, the masses and us, you know, 
they're stupid. They, they're idiots. They're not stupid. Bank no. of America is not stupid. JP no. Morgan is not stupid. Jamie Dimon is not stupid. Everybody says, you know, he was, he was saying Bitcoin's a Ponzi. Of course he was. Yeah. Of course While he was buying it. While he was buying he's it. He's got a team back. working on it, but of course he's saying it because his livelihood depends on him saying that. And so Jamie Dimon is one of the most powerful people on this planet. Larry Fink's one of the most powerful people on this planet. They are not stupid. Okay. They're actually really, really smart guys. So don't, don't underestimate their, their abilities. It's, it's kind of like, you know, use the baseball analogy, right? You know, Babe Ruth steps up and yeah, Babe Ruth struck out a lot, right? But he also hit a lot of home runs. So, if you're a pitcher, get him to chase crazy shit. Don't throw him good pitches, right? Get him to chase stuff because he'll chase them because, you know, he thinks – and I, I love there was an interview. He struck out four times in a game and, you know, he's smoking a cigarette with his whiskey and he's he's doing the interview after the game. And someone said, hey, babe, how you feeling? Tough night. He says, oh, I feel great. I'm like, what do you mean? You struck out four times. Like, not much closer to the next home run. So – that's right. It's just math, right? And so the same thing's happening here. Is every little win, every little setback, every little every little move in this middle game is setting up the board for the end game. And one of the things you got to think about in chess, and I can't pronounce the words like Zvonstrong, something like that. Uh, it's called the move before the move. And there are times you have to make a move that looks dumb or looks like you're not paying attention yeah because you're setting up the next move or or, or the third or the fourth move yep. and that's kind of what we as a community have to do we have to not be strident we have to not lead with our chin and get knocked out because if you're knocked out you can't play the rest of the game um we just have to be smart and 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 hold our ground, right? And 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 hold on to things that we believe in, and and keep moving forward and inching forward. So yes, we are still in the then they fight you phase. It's going to go on for a while. And yeah, this all feels good. Bitcoin's up, you know, twenty percent since last week, and great. But guess so, what? Mark, when I tell people that you know the fight you stage, you think it's going to go to twenty twenty seven, they have a heart attack. Like, oh my god, four more years of this. Are you still a belief that we're this is going to end around 2027 or does the look i mean that's that's my thesis but yeah. it's <laughs> human beings love patterns guys in particular right we're analytical we're right brained and and i'm like the worst offender i mean i might as well not even have a left hand i have i have no right side of my brain it's all i'm 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 left brained right handed analytical i'm not a creative type um, and so i love patterns and so I look at, at you know, 9 to 15 and, and 16 to 21, and those periods were roughly equal. So I'm like, oh, a third period needs to be roughly equal. It doesn't have to be, but it makes some sense. If you think about a 14-year cycle, kind of three, five-ish, five-and-a-half-year periods kind of makes sense. If you think about a uh, business cycle, kind of 11-year periods, you know, two of those five-and-a-half-year periods kind of makes sense. So history rhymes, doesn't always repeat, but it rhymes. So 
but the, but the fight you face doesn't always have to be acute, right? It can be uh, acute, meaning like the highest intensity. Right now, it's the high intensity, you know, accusing people of, of bad stuff and trying to shut stuff down. And look, they they put out of business their primary competitors, Celsius, Voyager, BlockFi, you know, the others. How'd they do that? I mean, these were businesses that were growing like a weed, valued in billions of dollars. How did they put them out of business? Well, it all goes back to Luna crashing. That was my birthday present a year ago for 59. That sucked. Well, why did that happen? Because of the idiocy of an algorithmic stablecoin. What an oxymoron, right? Jumbo shrimp, military intelligence. I, I shouldn't say it. I like the military. I like some people in the military. I don't like the military industrial complex, but there are some smart people in the military. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, thanks, Susie. Um, I, I keep coming back to, um, they didn't want the competition for the primary, I'll call it grift, but it's not really grift. It's, um, extraction. The primary extraction of wealth comes from us putting our hard-earned money in a bank. They charge us fees for the privilege. They charge us fees to get it, to move it, to change it, to audit it. To, I mean, there's a lot of slippage. Now, it's way better. Right? Again, I said I was watching 1883. I don't want to go back to the world where your life is on the chuck wagon and you got a big gun. And if your gun's not bigger than the bad guys, you lose everything. I don't want that, right? I don't want to store my money in my house in a safe and have to worry about bad guys coming to the house. I like banks. I actually believe, right? There's this whole group of people. They, they say banking is evil. You know, fraction reserve banking, it's the devil. Okay, smart guy. Where's most of your wealth? What do you mean? It's in crypto. No, no. You have 10, 15, 20, 30, whatever in crypto. Where's the rest? Well, it's in a bank. Okay, well, why? Well, okay. Name a, frac name a country with a poorly formed or non-existent fractional reserve banking system that you will move to. Mark, okay. I just have a quick follow-up. So you talked about the end game and, and when it could be. What is the end game? I mean, we're seeing black ah, in these big institutions yeah. coming. So in your eyes, what is the final step? What does it mean to have that finish line? Yeah, look, it, it's a tough one. Um, the end, the end game will play out in two parts. So there's the denouement, like the, the, the right before the end game. That is the big dogs introduce these uh, technologies and, and these assets into their systems, thinking they're appeasing and, and that they're going to win. But then there's the actual end game, which is a purely decentralized world. It's coming, but that one's going to take longer. That one's going to take longer. And what do I mean by that? Right. I mean, there is no reason really that given the advent of a blockchain and Bitcoin in particular, and there, but there could be others. There is no reason for me to have my wealth in a bank, right? There's just not. It could absolutely be on chain. 
and I could borrow against it. I could lend it. I could deposit it. I could invest it. I could do all the things that everybody says, oh, no, you, you know, get your money off the exchanges and don't use the exchanges and don't use the lenders. Stop. If all crypto is, is something that we're going to put on a thumb drive and bury in the backyard, we can all go find different jobs, right? We have that. That's called gold. And gold has been doing it for 5,000 years. What we need is the base layer of money to move from gold to probably Bitcoin, and then we'll build on top of it. Gold is the base layer of money. Everything else that we think of as money, currency, is built on top of that. Debt, built on top of that. But gold sits in central bank vaults around the world, and we build money on top of that through debt and leverage. And that's the system we want for the future. We don't want to lose that system. That's what allows progress. Uh, getting you know Johnny's money to work for abs and abs money to work for me and, and having the system. A community is better than any of us trying to do it ourselves. You know, Adam Smith was right almost 500 years ago. So the end game abs is, is a two-part dance. It's the part where, uh, remember in the, the, uh, the movie Animal House where they're in the, the Dexter Lake Club and the big giant guy comes out and says, mind if we dance with your dates? <laughs> Not at all. Um, yeah, they're going to dance with our dates for a while. And we're going to have to pay the piper in the form of, of, of the big dogs. But that's okay. Mark, the part I struggle with with, with that plan or that approach or that, that the question I have for you is this we know that they have all the control and the power. And if you go to decentralized world, they lose a lot of it. And yep. I can't see any scenario whatsoever that these smart people are going to allow that to happen. Ah, okay. So now you're right. You're right. So you're right. So, so to me, I think they want to say, well, we know this is coming and we can't maybe stop it, but we're going to make sure we own and control enough of it where we can have some control of whatever control you can have in decentralization, but I'm curious to what your thoughts is. No, it's, it's, you used the perfect word, Johnny. What's that? Allow. They mm. think they get to allow. They don't. They can't control it. They can't allow. Now they can control and allow the on-ramps and off-ramps. That's what they're doing now, right? That's what Executive Order 6102 is about. It was about trying to manipulate the on-ramp and off-ramp to real money, gold. And so ultimately they think they can allow us or not allow us to use these assets. But here's the thing. I can put a portion of my wealth on a ledger and it's outside their purview. Now people say, oh, they could come to your house and get it. Wow, but that's well, not good. Yeah, yeah they, that's they not could. Good. If they had a gun and, you know, and look, they're going to arm those IRS agents. Maybe that's what they're planning. But and, and this is part of it borders on the dystopian, right? Like I said, I don't want to leave. I don't want to move, but I can. I could pick up. No, they could shut me down, right? They could say, oh, you can't cross the border. You know, we turn off your passport. So there are elements of of the current system, which is centralized, that still need to be innovated around to get to a pure decentralized world. Hmm. And I'm with you that incumbents don't like 
futures, right? The train companies didn't want airplanes right. and the phone companies didn't want the internet, but we have the internet and I don't pay the phone company for long distance. And you and I are not use we're not paying the phone company for us to communicate in high definition video. Correct. Blows my mind. Um, we're not paying for that. Now, why is that? Well, because innovation. Would the phone companies like to have had that money? Of course. Did they try to pass a law to make it illegal? They tried to make the internet illegal. Yes, they literally. Did. Right? But it didn't work. So will Bank of America and JP Morgan and Wells Fargo, will they fight this? Of course. Does the government think that by going to CBDC, right? A central bank digital currency that they can control it? Boom. Well, yeah, but here's the problem. That's different. That's just centralized fiat. Yes. And that's fine in a fiat world. It's right. a better system, right? And now they're talking about, you know, one ledger to rule all ledgers, right? The yes. BIS stuff that's there going There you on. go. Well, sure. I mean, look, watch the video of Augustin Karsten's, <laughs> that guy's pure evil. And yeah, I mean, if I were a government, would I want to, be able to control how you spend your money, when you spend your money, if you spend your money, damn straight. Will people rebel against that? Damn straight. Will there be a messy part of this story? Yep. Are we going to have to make some big, hard decisions at some point in terms of, of, you know, freedom and independence? Yeah, for sure. Um, are we going to get to pitchforks and axes and, and torches? I don't think so. No. Are the powers that be like this guy going to give up easily? Hell no. You know, does Klaus have a vision of the world that is different than mine? Yes. Yep. And look, the Malthusians have been wrong for three centuries. Hmm. The Malthusians have been wrong that we need less people. The Malthusians have been wrong that we need the elite to control everything, that only smart people should vote, only landed gentry should vote. Here are some facts. More people, more better. More people, more innovation, more wealth, more happiness, more everything is better with more people. More fossil fuels, more better right? Oh, you got banned fossil fuels. Are you freaking kidding me? Stop. More energy, more better. Everything is about converting energy into value. That is what our life is about. And more so people, Mark, more creativity, more energy, all of it. And that's in essence what crypto is all about, right? It's about the unlocking of human potential and storing pure value that's exchangeable, immutable, unseizable, unseizable in perpetuity. That's fucking awesome. It really is. And so, Mark, with that being said, I'd love to switch this to a little bit of a conversation about regulation and where different classified currencies fall, right? We're watching the Ripple case, and I think what's interesting is that we're seeing people draw the connections. Ripple's working with the World Economic Forum. You brought up the man, the myth, the legend himself, the leader of that group. 
Uh, we got the IMF working with Ripple. We got the BIS working with Ripple. When we look at American regulation independently, it seems to be very pro-Ethereum. So what we discussed earlier is Ethereum going to need a separate category. What do you think is really going on? Because clearly Ripple's working with global organizations, but for some reason is butting heads with American regulators. Maybe you can elaborate on that. What does that mean to you? Yeah, look, I, I'm not a WEF fan, full stop. Um, I... I'm not a BIS fan. I'm not an IMF fan. I'm not a... Uh, Anyone who's Geneva, Switzerland. I'm not, I'm not a Rothschild fan. So, so that... I get why those organizations are pursuing a technological solution as opposed to a crypto solution. Right. They they understand that they they have the structure that they want. They just know they have to update the rails. Fedwire, Swift, et cetera, has to go away. They need new rails. Great. The problem there is, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That that pavement could lead to the the stuff that Karstens talks about that that I don't want, right? I don't want to have a vaccine passport where I can't go into a town if I don't show my, my little green card. I don't want checkpoints around the world. I don't want my money to be restricted by programmability at, at the central government level. So I'm not a big fan of that. The reason Ethereum in theory probably has more support of uh, uh, you know the US regulatory regime is they look at it as their own in the sense that it was created by people they are, are tight with. Now, look, here's the thing. I, I did this when I first got into this in 2013. I just Googled Satoshi, Nak Satoshi Nakamoto. You know what comes up? Intelligence Central. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Three-letter uh, agency. Whoa, 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 what, what, what? Well, Nakamoto is the surname of people who live in the central province in Japan, and Satoshi means intelligence. I'm like, whoa, that is way too freaking close to CIA. So I'm like, all right, what, what the hell? Um, and so I was like, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If I were a government and I had a failing currency that was plummeting because of in inflation, that I created by, by the Fed, which is not federal nor has any reserves, right? What would I do? I'd create an alternative system. I'd get people to convert from the failing currency into this new system and I'd have a back door to steal it all. Holy shit. So our uh, venture partner is this guy, Scott Stornetta. So if you read the Bitcoin white paper, the footnotes, there's eight of them. Three of them are his work. He and his uh, partner were the founders of cryptographic security. They invented blockchain technology, basically. And so I asked Scott, this is Scott, you know, what do you think? He's like, huh, never thought about that before. No. <laughs> like, well, how did you do that? I, he says, well, one, he's a gigabrain. But he, says, he says, no. He said, the way Bitcoin works, the way proof of work works, there's an air gap and there could not be a backdoor the way you think of a backdoor in terms of normal software. So well, what about ETH? Hmm. No, that, that could definitely have a backdoor. So 
that again, I'm not saying there is a backdoor. I'm not saying that that was created by the CIA. I'm not saying any of those things, but it does. If capital I, capital F, if I were a government faced with the obsolescence of my primary method of control, my currency, would I encourage usage of something that I could control technologically? Yes. So there could be some debate and argument for if we have a, you know, we have a bipolar world, we got the WEF axis and we got the US axis. If the WEF axis wants to control using one platform and the US wants to control using another platform, the problem is there's a little bit too much overlap for my taste between the powers at the top of the US and the Westers. So it's not a coincidence you see Larry in front of a WEF sign, right? Yeah, you know, it's funny, Mark. We, you talked a little about regulation and the Howey test, and, and it's funny. We, we reference on the show, we're using a 1946 result court case for a technology that we know at a minimum was developed in 1988, I think was the first patent, Abs, correct me if I'm wrong, first patent we saw for blockchain done by our friend, David Swartz, who was then working for, what was it, the NSA? or So, I mean, you just kind of connect the dots. And- Johnny, Johnny, it's actually really cool. I want to give you a platform here, but ask Mark about decentralization. Me and you talked about XRP being sufficiently decentralized. And the reason, it's not about XRP. The reason this is important is because they broke down something I hadn't even thought of. It's not about ownership of tokens. It's about who decides the rules on the blockchain, right. who's in charge of the government. So I, I guess Al asked a question, Johnny, then we'll kick it to you. What do you think is more important, Mark, ownership or governance? Which is governance in your eye? Definitely governance. Look, governance is governance. Well, but ownership can be governance in a proof of stake world. So mm. there are some funky inter interconnections there. In a proof of work world, it's pretty simple, right? It 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 is. We know how the governance works. In a proof of stake world, it it does change up a little bit, but ultimately governance is what matters because you don't want rules to change. The thing I love, like my, my thing about Bitcoin, you know, it's my fave. Why? The elegance of the design, right? 51% attack. Oh, there'll be a 51% attack. There will never be a 51% attack. Even if you could get the quantum computing power and spend the hundreds of millions of dollars to crack 10,000 computers within 10 minutes simultaneously and, and change 51% of them, even if you could do that, which can't, but even if you could, the minute you do it, price goes to zero. It's the most elegant. It's like you would never rob the store because the thing you stole would be worthless. Beautiful. So one of the challenges of, of the current system is the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. Proof of stake has some element of that. Now, there are those who have explained to me, actually, as a result of being on this show, people have come to me DM and said, hey, let me explain to you how this works. And and they're di- and I love that. I mean, that's I'm, I'm in the business to be educated. So I do think there are some nuance there that that's not as different as I once thought. So I appreciate that, that education. Um, ultimately governance and and how the rules work is what's critical. But the problem, we've seen this with DAOs, right? 
you can think you have a perfectly engineered you know, democratic process. Like I love the story and I can't remember what the name, I can't, I can't, I can't remember the coin, but there was this 14 year old kid and there was this Dow, but the way they set it up wasn't like 51%. It was whichever person had the most votes, just, you know, if, if 11% was the most, that's all you needed. And this kid somehow figured it out and he got 11%. And then he super minted himself a billion tokens and sold off like a couple hundred million before they figured it out and it went to zero. So, and, and Cam Harvey talks about this in his book where he, he talks about, and I was like, damn, I want to hire that kid. Um, but, but second, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Their, their good intention was, well, we don't need 51% majority rules. We just need independence and democracy. What you got was a system that could be played. And so, yeah, you know, we're, we're in, we're in really interesting times. And to your point, Johnny, why should we be using rules made in the 1930s and forties to govern stuff from today? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. But this, uh, this video, <laughs> this is the one, Mark, you got to hear this guy. This is great. You're going to love this one. Go ahead, Abs, play that. Um, interest in just actively destroying Bitcoin to make their own, you know, super rigs and uh, design chips and just throw hundreds of millions or billions of dollars to intentionally disrupt the blockchain. Yeah, I, I don't worry about that at all. Um, this cannot be done with Bitcoin anymore. This is something that can only be done with nascent altcoins. Uh, Bitcoin has achieved a, a level of computing that uh, no single nation state can, uh, can overthrow it through computation alone. Uh, the effort to do so would require a massive covert operation of chip fabrication, uh, then the coordinated assault that would give them dominance over the next block for 10 minutes until we kick those bastards off the network, uh, rework the protocol around them, they would be revealed, they would have lost a billion dollars doing this, and all they got to do was one double spend. <laughs> Round of applause for my man there. No, no, he's, he's, he's amazing. Look, guys, I, that was the fastest 90 minutes on record, um, but I got to jump. Uh, I, I love doing this with you guys. Uh, I, love, I love your discipline to do it, to do it every day um, and to fight the good fight and, and to rally the, the troops uh, behind, behind the right cause, right? At the end, this is a cause, right? This is a cause for, for what's right and, and, and what is uh, just in the sense that, you know, better technology should have its rightful place in the ecosystem. Uh, we should make money, you know, better than, than it has been corrupted. And yeah, the, the, I'll leave you with this quick story, right? In, in the early days of money, I lend Johnny hundred bucks. And we had a single entry ledger. I had a ledger. I kept the books. Johnny comes to pay me back. And uh, I'm an unscrupulous guy, right? I'm not trustworthy. And I changed the number to 200. He pays me the 110. I'm like, Johnny, you owe me 220. It says right here in the book. He's like, no, no, I only borrowed 100. I'm sorry. Book says. So the Medici's came along 800 years ago and said, no, Johnny, you keep a ledger. Mark, you keep a ledger. And we, the benevolent Medici's, for a small fee, will make sure the ledgers match. Better system, dual entry accounting. But here's the problem. I'm still a bad guy. I go to Medici, say, I'm going to change this to 200. 
I'll give you half. So Johnny comes back with his 100 bucks, 110. And they're like, I, I say, you owe me 220. And he's like, no, Medici's. They're like, Johnny, you must have written down wrong. I'm sorry. Okay. Totally corruptible. With triple entry accounting, with this third ledger that we all control in a fair, just world, we have truth. We don't have to trust. Trust is inferior to truth. Truth, one, is an absolute defense. So all the stuff that people yell about me, conspiracy theories, is only conspiracy if it ain't true. If it's true, I have an absolute defense. But truth is what we all aspire to, you know, beauty and all that good stuff. But it's what being here is all about. It's what being with you guys, you know, on a periodic basis is all about. So I appreciate the invite. appreciate, you know, all you do for the, the segment. And thanks for having me on. Thank you so much, Mark. And on your way out of here, I got one closing question. Are you concerned? We talked about the positives of this. Are you concerned at all with the ETF launch? Could we see a centralization of Bitcoin through these ETFs? Just just so I make sure I get it in the episode. Um, No. I mean, I, 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 I've thought about it and, and I'm not concerned because for every buyer, there has to be a seller, mm. right? For every buyer, there has to be a seller. And there are a whole bunch of people who aren't going to sell to those rat bastards. So that's one. But every, but there's a price, right? Everybody says I won't sell, but there's a price. And greed is a funny thing. If the price were to get to a certain level, would would some of the the, the OGs or the hodlers actually sell? Yeah, they probably would. But ownership, back to your point, Abs, isn't control. Control comes from governance. And the governance, in Bitcoin in particular, is really clear. So you can own all you want, but you can't change the rules. Correct. And yes, people say, well, they could buy it all and then shut it down. Like Andropolis said, we'll just start it back up. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's it's an organic, living, breathing community, and communities are the most powerful thing in the world. I mean, look at look at the history of biology and chemistry, and you know all that natural stuff. Adaptive, complex, adaptive systems, and and that's what human beings create, and that's what we have created here with the benefit of of spectacular technology. Um. And again, we can go into the whole one chain to rule all chains and, you know, why Bitcoin is the future. But to me, Bitcoin is the base layer and then everything builds on top. Yeah. Last question. I know Mark's in a rush. Do you think we'll see a liquidity flow from Bitcoin into altcoins like we've seen in the past? I know the Bitcoin ETF puts yeah. money directly into Bitcoin. Yeah, look, summer is volatile with an upward drift. Mm. Fall, right, next year, post having parabolic move, craziness, greed. Do people do stupid stuff in greed and when they're greedy? Absolutely. Will people sell, you know, the, the best asset and buy the the speculative stuff? Of course. That's why things like Pepe coin exist. I mean, people believe in the power of memes. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it, but, but other people have explained to me why it works. Um, so the answer is yes, there will be a trickle down, but that that upward drift of Bitcoin dominance isn't going to go away. It is, I believe, the base layer of, of the future of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean there won't be lots of other things. And as the whole ecosystem goes from 1 trillion to 5 trillion to 10 trillion to 15 trillion, which I believe it will, mm-hmm. 
there's a lot of money to be made for all of us in a lot of different places. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more, Mark. I think that's the whole key is there will be money flowing into this and it's going to flow into, I think, the whole space. Of course, I think there'll be a good chunk of it in Bitcoin. But just want to say thank you so much, so much for your time, all your knowledge, your wisdom. Everybody loves it. We love we wish we, we could have you on every week, but I know you can't. No, it's all good. It's all good. Well, it's kind of like every time I go to a live music event, I think, man, that was so awesome. Why don't I do this all the time? Yeah. I think if you do it all the time, it's not, it's fun. not special. That's so, right. You know, I, as much as I would love to do it every week, it is more special when we do it on a periodic basis. Thanks for having me. Enjoy summer. I'm actually, I'm actually pretty psyched about this. I, I am, I'm doing my, my first like real big vacation in Ooh. 20 years. So we're, we're spending two weeks in, in Spain with my little guy and uh, I'm pretty awesome. psyched. So oh, you're I will. Uh, Have you been oh, before? This is your first time? I've never been. I, I, there's two places on the planet that I really have never been, Spain and Portugal and Australia and New Zealand. So we're doing Spain and Portugal, and at some point we'll do Australia and New Zealand. So That's awesome. So well, you have a great so much, time, and uh, we'll, we'll bring you back on when you come. When, we'll, we'll get you when you come back. Yeah, yeah. I'm back. I'm back in mid, mid-July. So awesome. Be good and uh, enjoy the fourth. And, uh, again, appreciate all you do for the community, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank, Thank you, you Mark. so much, Mark. Not only are these conversations amazing for the community, I learn a lot during these conversations as well. So shout out to Mark Yusko. Thank you, guys. And we got 448 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to show you the smartest way to track your crypto. And then we're going to hit one last important topic before we close it out here. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and send you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com. That's MerlinCrypto.com and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Amazing, guys. It is the smartest way to track your crypto, and you get 30 days absolutely free. So check out the link down below. We're also going to be taking selective people from our wait list and allowing you early access to the beta testing. So super excited about that as well. Check out the wait list first link down below the video. But I want to end this episode with a little bit of bullish news, not only for the XRP community, because we are going to go over some IMF connections, but Jim Cramer has turned into a full-on bear for the crypto market Calling the crypto scams, this is very bullish. Because unlike the banks, these crypto assets all seem to be scams, and I want you out of them. Many of you traffic in them every day. You should. You're wrong. Because unlike the banks, these crypto assets all seem to be scams, and I want you out of them. Many of you traffic in them every day. You should. You're wrong. So, so I want you out of crypto, but he'll tell you to buy NVIDIA at its all-time high, Johnny. So before we get into the real news with XRP, how do you think about Jim Cramer turning bearish? Oh, my God, that makes crypto so bullish. You just heard it. Mark just told you how the game is played. They're going to come on the air. They're going to tell you it's bad. They're going to give you every reason to be scared of it so they could drop it down so they could do what? Come in and buy it at the lowest price possible. I mean, this is just beautiful. You, you love it. See, when you know how the game is played, 
it actually makes it very entertaining. And so from this perspective, like, great, let them keep footing it because that just tells you that, you know, they're, they're, they're buying and that's when you want to be buying too. And then when Jim comes out and says, Hey, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Crypto's fantastic. That's when you get the hell out of Dodge ads. That's when you need to be worried. Like, Oh shit. Jim's telling everybody this is good. I got to go. So we got to watch for those signals. What do you think about Mark Yesko admitting that XRP doesn't operate as a security? I know we're still on air right now. I thought that to be huge because if guys like Mark Yesko, who's an investor, a billion dollar investor for anybody who doesn't know uh, in crypto, I think for him to change his stance and not only admit that there was corruption with Ethereum, but that XRP is not a security. This is huge because this tells me companies like BlackRock, companies like JP Morgan, these are the guys who are in the building, not Mark Yesko in particular, but like-minded individuals. So, Johnny, with that being said, look at this breaking news from yesterday as the XRP Army was able to draw some connections between the IMF CBDC and Ripple's new, pro- Ripple's new uh, financial products. So on March of 2023, the IMF created a new document titled Trust Bridges and Money Flows, a digital marketplace to improve cross-border payments. Now, the reason this is important is because it actually mentions Ripple and XRP for having an efficient cross-border payment mechanism. Now, once we get tokenization of assets onto the XRPL, the game is going to change forever. But to see us starting with CBDCs, it is very exciting. Let's close out the episode here, Johnny. What's it mean to you? Yeah, well, first of all, I wish it was Judge Yusko that was on the case and not just Taurus. Maybe we'd have a ring right now. But it was kind of encouraging to hear him define, talk about his definition, his logic and reasoning why he didn't think it was a security, right? And you heard him say that you don't really have any share ownership in the company for, for, for future profits and dividends and things like that. And that's a very, very true argument. And I think, you know, gets me kind of excited. And I hope Judge Torres is looking at it the same way. We've always felt that this Ripple case doesn't hold up to the four elements of the Howey test. And we're going to eventually find out once the big boys decide that it's time to end the case, right? Which hopefully will be soon. But the ties there, you know, Ripple to IMF, I mean, I think we've all known that the the use case that Ripple solves for directly services the banking industry apps. It's literally designed for that. It would be silly for the IMF and the BS to not be looking at that technology and saying, hey, why go reinvent the wheel? It's already here and leverage it. So to me, you know, it makes perfect sense. I'm not surprised at all. I would expect those ties to be there. You want to see those ties there because we believe they will be the rails of the new system. And for um, for it to be there, then they need to be having these you know discussions and seeing that there. So we'll have to wait to see how it works. But to me, I do believe that that, again, is also bullish news. But you never know how these things are going to play out. And so you got to make sure you've diversified your investment as andrew always says put two to five hundred dollars and you see what happens people are asking about andrew andrew's on vacation he'll be back at the end of the month for those who have asked but yeah that's the approach i would take is make sure you diversify and guys we're going to end it with the four prongs of the howie test here because this is what's so important about the xrp case the sec is alleging that every single sale of xrp past present and future was an unregistered security, and that's just one of the reasons they're going to lose this case. When we go through the four prongs of the Howey test, here they are right here. The first prong is you need an investment of money. The second is a common enterprise, meaning a company driving profit into the project. The third is an expectation of profit. And the fourth is that profit is going to be derived from the effort of others. So that's what's going to be debated in court, guys. And of course, if XRP is a security, 
Ethereum's got to look over his shoulder. But we got 378 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Thank you for being here today. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get the shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Tony Edwards next week. Don't miss it. Thank you.